this wonderful, wonderful gospel of John. He's been telling us the story of God's new creation in Christ. John, if you haven't picked it up already, is an evangelist. He wants you to know Jesus. He wants you to follow Jesus. He wants you to continue to follow Jesus. And that's why he writes his gospel. That's, he tells us that toward the end. These things are written so that you might believe, that you might continue to believe. John records signs. He talks about the miracles of Jesus being signs, pointing to who he is, pointing to what he has come to do. He includes the amazing I am sayings of Jesus. Jesus taking upon his lips the name of God, saying he is God in the flesh. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. All the I am sayings. And this passage, as we come to the end of chapter 12, marks the conclusion of John's account of Jesus' public ministry. It's amazing to think that nearly 40% or more of John's gospel deals just with the last week or so of Jesus' life. Where Jesus spends time with his disciples. And he talks to them about him going away. He talks about his death. He talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. He spends time with his Father in prayer. We have the longest prayer of Jesus recorded in John's Gospel. And over the coming weeks, we will read those together. But John, in this final part of chapter 12, just records the last public words of Jesus. Before his arrest, before his torture, crucifixion, before his glorious resurrection, and those resurrection appearances to the disciples, and then the ascension. So we're going to read from chapter 12 and verse 37. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. So they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn. And I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet, at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. 
I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we can read the Bible for ourselves. We can hear the words of Scripture. We thank you that it is life to us. Because when we read the Bible, when we read the account of your life in the Gospels, we see you, Lord Jesus. We hear you. And we have the opportunity of responding to you. And we pray that this morning, that as we think about this passage and the words that you spoke, and that the way that John interprets those words, that we will, by your Spirit, hear what you have to say to us. And that by your Spirit, you will be at work in our lives, in our hearts. We thank you for your words, and we pray that as we spend this time looking at it, that you will accomplish all that you've planned and purposed. In Jesus' name, amen. Christmas is a great time. It's got so many things that I enjoy. Obviously, celebrating Jesus' birthday. Way, that's the best. But there are other things as well. There's chocolate, which is fantastic. I can't tell you how much chocolate I've eaten over Christmas, but it is a lot. The other things I like about Christmas is catching up with some of my old favorite films on the television. I know times have changed, and you will say, you can download them anytime, and some of you might do those things, but I don't. I, I like to watch them on the telly. And even, even if there's a film I've got a video of in the cupboard, it comes on the telly, I still watch it on the telly. Adverts and all. <laughs> Just makes it the fun last longer, doesn't it? I don't know what your favorite films over Christmas was. Karis loved watching Fiddler on the Roof until she had to go out. Uh, Hermie loved Lady Killers, and if you don't know that film, it's not a, what it sounds like. Okay, It's quite an old film. Anyone watch Bond? Anyone have a favorite film you watched? No, only me. This is going to be a terrible message for you. The Snowman and the Snow Dog. Again, Hermie watched that about five times. Toy Story. Anyway, whatever film you watched, it was also great to watch the Bible. I don't know if you caught the Bible uh, over running up to Christmas. If you've not seen it, get the video. 
It was very good. Some inaccuracies, but they say that at the beginning. But I thought it was really good. And it has actually opened up conversations about the Bible in ways that, you know, are so natural. Did you see the Bible on the telly? As long as you don't say to me, uh, when I say, have you read the Bible, you say, no, I've seen the film. Because <laughs> I say that to Hermie all the time. Because I love watching the Jane Austen movie. Have you read one? No, I've seen the film. But it uh, doesn't apply to the Bible, just in case you're thinking about it. Indiana Jones. Yes. Thank you. Yvonne and me are going to enjoy this sermon because it's based around Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I saw for the very first time in 1989 with Hermie in Brazil, in English, with Portuguese subtitles. We were laughing before the Brazilians were laughing. <laughs> Whether they were laughing at us, I don't know. It is the improbable story of the quest. Could we have the... Sorry, I'm, I'm useless with the clicker because I... I I bring a clicker and then I don't use it. So, Mike, thank you very much. Here we go. It is the improbable story of the quest for the Holy Grail. If you don't know what the Holy Grail is, the Holy Grail was a medieval legend of the Grail being the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. And as the film reaches its climax, in the famous last scenes, Indiana Jones, who is an archaeologist, well archaeologist. Anyway, there you go. Bear with it. He's asked this question. It's time to ask yourself what you believe. And I've seen the film a couple of times, but it just struck me as I watched it again. It is time to ask yourself what you believe, not what you don't believe. What you do believe. And there are, toward the end of the film, a series of tests and challenges and trials to reach the grail. There's a test of humility. There's a test of knowing the name of God. And he has to step over all these uh, sort of paving slabs and they all give way if he can't spell the name of God. And then in a famous uh, scene, he's in front of a great canyon and there's no bridge and it's called the step of faith. And he cannot see the bridge until he steps out. And he puts his foot on it, and there it is. Solid. And he walks across. It's one of my favorite bits, actually. Because faith is walking not by sight, but trust. And at the very end of the quest, there are certain characters who find themselves in this final room. And here, arrayed are various goblets, and one of them is the Holy Grail. Bear with me. I know the plot is a bit flimsy, um, but hey-ho, it's a film. It's a film. But I want to apply it to the passage that we've just read. So do bear with me. The characters are forced to make a final life or death decision based on what they know about Jesus. The final trial or test is in a room full of goblets. The three characters that are left there, Walter Donovan, who's a kind of his sympathy with the Nazis in the film. There's Elsa Schneider, who is an art professor. 
who is just greedy for the prize. And then there's Indiana Jones, the hero of the story. And they are asked to, you, to choose which goblet is the true one and to drink from it. And in the story of the film, the drink will release healing. It will give immortality. So therefore it is priceless. And as I've said already, the premise of the scene may be a bit silly. Okay, it's a lot silly. But I believe it will help us understand what John is getting at in this section because John, in this passage, asks us, it's time, it is time to decide what you believe. It's time to ask yourself, what do you believe? In the passage that we read, Jesus makes one last public appeal. Did you hear it when we read the words of Jesus? He was clearly saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've come to me, you come to the Father. He is clearly saying that he and the Father are the same. They are one together. He calls out for the last time publicly, would you believe in me? And in the film, Indiana Jones and Walter Donovan and this other lady, Elsa, have to choose. And the first one to choose is Walter Donovan. There he is. And he's guided by this uh, so-called professor. And she says, well, Jesus would have a, a really special cup. And he goes for the biggest, the golden one with all the jewels surrounding it. And he says, this is the one. This is a cup of the king of kings. He doesn't know Jesus at all. And he takes hold of it. And he drinks from it. And judgment falls. And in the film, there's a bit of a gory bit when he is destroyed, basically. And the person who's guarding the goblets. It's a really funny bit in the film. I couldn't put it on the pictures. You'd lose a bit of it. But he says, at the beginning, he says, choose wisely. And then when he's absolutely de destroyed, he said, he chose poorly. <laughs> and I would say to you, choose wisely about Jesus, who he is. The Apostle John is a Jew. You know he's a Jewish man. He's from Galilee. He was a fisherman, followed Jesus, gave his life to Jesus, lived his whole life for Jesus. He takes no pleasure in telling us that many of his contemporaries made the wrong decision about Jesus. He says even after they'd witnessed all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders. They still chose not to believe in Jesus. They refused to let their eyes follow the direction in which the signs were pointing. 
That was especially true of many of the leaders, the so-called spiritual leaders. You see, signs can harden hearts as well as soften hearts. Often we think, well, if only God will do some miraculous thing, it will soften people's hearts. Sometimes it actually hardens people's hearts. They make a stand against God. Think back to the Exodus. Pharaoh, how many signs did he witness of God's power, God's authority, yet his heart was hardened? Jesus healed the sick. He did the most amazing things, yet instead of being lost in wonder, many people objected to Jesus because he did it on the Sabbath. He broke the traditions. How can he be from God? When he raised the dead, they responded by plotting to kill him because he was jeopardizing their position, their status. They wanted to hold on to their power. When they heard him saying, I am, they picked up stones to stone him because they accused him of blasphemy because they knew exactly what he was saying. You, a mere man, they said, claim to be God. They refused to believe. They chose poorly. They didn't want to believe. John says that Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, lived 600 years before Jesus, had prophesied that this would happen. If you read through the prophecies of Isaiah, you see that he sees Jesus very clearly. And John records it here in the gospel. Isaiah saw Jesus and spoke about it. When Isaiah is called in chapter 6, he sees a vision of God, high and lifted up, seated on the throne of heaven. He sees Jesus, pre-incarnate, pre-the birth, sitting on the throne of heaven. And the glory of God filling the throne room. He sees Jesus because he predicts a virgin will give birth to a son. He predicts that a light will come from Galilee. He predicts that the Messiah will be a suffering servant. He predicts that people's hearts will be hardened. And sure enough, there were those who turned away from Jesus. And even today, there are many who hear about Jesus And will turn away from him. And there is a danger in doing that again and again and again. And John outlines that danger. That to reject Jesus again and again and again you can harden your heart. It's implied almost here that God hardens their heart. But he doesn't. He wants everyone to be saved. But there's that in us. Now, many of us needed to hear the gospel several times before we believed it. How many times did I hear the gospel before I believed? And many of us would say, yeah, I needed to hear it again and again and again before I believed. But there is also those who hear it again and again, and every time they just put another barrier up, another barrier up, and they harden their heart. 
There is a danger there. John wants everyone to believe. That's why he writes his gospel. Back to the film. Elsa. She's this professor, so-called. She also perishes in the film. She dies. Not because she chooses wrongly about the goblet, but because she wants it as a prize. She doesn't actually believe in its power. She wants it as a prize. She's thinking just of how much we could get for it. How much this would make me famous. How much. She wanted the praise of men more than the praise of God. Because she didn't realize, as you realize in the film, that the goblet can't actually leave this place. And she perishes. And it's like that in this passage. John describes a group in verse 42 and verse 43 who believed. He actually says that they believed in Jesus. There was something about Jesus that responded, resounded with them, but they were not prepared to follow him. They were not prepared to make it public. They were not prepared to make a stand for Jesus. Because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were more concerned about what people thought of them. What people would make of them if they confessed Jesus publicly. And there, I meet lots of people like that. There is something about Jesus that attracts them. There is something. They may call him even a good man, but making a stand for him, being follower of Jesus, is too much. What will people think? Even churches can be silenced by fear about what will people think if we make a stand for Jesus. And we can settle as the church of Jesus Christ for being good and nice instead of being the radical world-changing disciples that Jesus has called us to be. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, when I heard his New Year message, what I heard is, you change the world around you. That's what he said. If you're a Christian, you change the world around you. Don't let the world change you. Be an influence for God wherever you are. When I first became a Christian, I wanted to change the world. Change the world around you. The world changes one by one by one. And we are privileged, Hugh's being baptized tonight, we are privileged to see over the years the world being changed one by one by one by one. How many of us sitting in this room this morning have had our lives changed in the last 10, 20 years when Jesus saved us and he is changing the world and he is calling you to make a stand for him. Not to fear what anyone might think. I meet people who are not against Jesus. But they're not for Jesus. And Jesus says, if you're not for me, you're against me. Don't be those who just sit and, well, I'm not against Jesus. But I'm not for him. Be for Jesus. 
in everything. Some are choked by the cares and worries of the world, the delights of the world, the charms of the world. Jesus talked about that in a parable called the sower. But Jesus says in this passage, I came to save. I came to save. Not to condemn. But he also says that actually my words will condemn those who refuse me. Sometimes even the church is tempted to say, well, it doesn't matter what you really believe. It'll all be all right. No, we have to go on what Jesus says, what the Bible says. We can't make up uh, a Jesus of our own just to serve our own purposes or to make us fit in with the world. <coughs> Jesus says there will be those who have stood against him, rejected him, who will be condemned. Not because Jesus condemns them, but because they condemn themselves. Because they have not received and followed Jesus. Finally, in the film, Indiana reaches out. And there's Elsa behind him. She hasn't died yet. She's saying, oh, it's the gold one. Take the gold one. And he says, no, I, I, I'll take the simplest one. In the film, he says, that will be the cup of a carpenter. And it brings life. He takes it to his father in the film, Sean Connery. And he drinks and he is healed. Who would have thought that in Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, you would see so many pictures of Jesus if you had eyes to see? The final words of Jesus, as John records publicly, I want to read them out again to you. Jesus cried out, so it's very public. When a man believes in me, that applies obviously to all of us, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When anyone looks at me, they see the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him on the last day. And he says, I don't speak of my own accord, but I speak the words the Father has commanded me to say. Would you this morning, beginning of this year, just reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? The one who came into the world as light. And who promises that whoever follows him will never be in the dark. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He is light enough for the whole world. He is light enough for every one of mankind. The Bible says elsewhere, the darkness will never understand it and never overcome it. Jesus invites us all to walk 
with him through this life into eternity. Can you tell that John is an evangelist? He wants us to believe. He wants us to continue to believe in Jesus. John, who was exiled, saw all his contemporaries executed for faith in Jesus. He alone was allowed to live in exile in Patmos. And he writes the gospel that you and I may believe, may continue to believe. Would you choose wisely? And maybe you have already chosen, but the beginning of a new year is always a good time to reaffirm choices. Reaffirm your faith in Jesus. Or maybe for the very first time, you're here this morning and you think, he is banging on about this again. You are here because God wants you to know him. If you have never put your trust in Jesus, once again, Jesus is reaching out to you and saying, will you do that? Will you take a step of faith today? Will you be a life-changing disciple of mine? And he begins with your life. To believe means to follow. Not like that group who said, well, yeah, he's all right, but I won't make it public. This year at work or at home, are you going to be public about your faith? Why not? You just might be the one person who reaches another person with the good news of Jesus. Maybe we're too embarrassed to be seen with Jesus. That even sounds silly as I say it. Too embarrassed to be seen with Jesus. No. We're going to share communion together. It's a New Year covenant. God makes with us and we make with him in sharing the bread and the cup because we renew our commitment to Jesus. Shall we pray together? Father God, we thank you that at the beginning of this new year, we can reaffirm our faith. We can make a choice to say that this year we will live for you and for your glory. And Lord, I pray that just in this moment that you'd come by your spirit and move in our hearts. And I want to give an opportunity for anyone who's, who's heard and heard and heard about Jesus. And maybe today is the day. As you've heard again that he loves you, that he died for you, that he calls you to be his disciple, a follower. To be forgiven. To have this incredible gift of new life and eternal life. Would you choose this day? To believe in Jesus. I encourage you to do so. I plead with you to do so. Don't harden your heart. Let the love of God soften 
and save. And Lord, for some of us, maybe many of us who have followed you for a long time, and we know the gospel, help us to not be over-familiar with it. To lose the awe and wonder of it all. To see the signs once again as we read the scriptures and just, wow, Jesus, you are amazing. And you're my saviour. You're my Lord. My King and my God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able and if you want to,